0: And it is another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live at Joy 620 here in Knoxville, or you're listening around the world at the podcast at InvestingHope.com, Google Play, iTunes, Podbeam, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. You can find this show just when you think there's nothing to talk about. Just when you think, you know what, Roe's been overturned. The abortion issue is dead and gone. We can move on there are more court decisions there are more uh, legislative decisions and and laws being passed and and we talked about some of those being passed in Colorado and other other places but but last week uh, a couple court decisions occurred that that really puts abortion right back in the spotlight it puts the the drug mifepristone the first drug that is taking it, taken in the two drug process of the medical or chemical abortion uh, right in the, the crosshairs of, of what looks to be a, a court battle that's going to be coming. So we had a Texas judge make a ruling concerning the FDA, and I'm going to get into that here in a second. And, and what a lot of folks think is going to happen is this ultimately is going to find its way to the Supreme Court in Washington, and then the question is, what will they do with it? So I want to provide context, but I, I do want you to understand that today we're going to focus mainly on this issue, when it comes to the FDA, when it comes to the politicization of everything, every institution has now been politicized. So what used to be nonpartisan, uh, entities, whether that be educational entities or governmental entities, uh, nonprofit think tanks, any of that, there is no such thing a- anymore of nonpartisan. It's just the reality of it. And, and so what we have to do as, is folks that see the world through a biblical worldview. How are we operating in that? How are we uh, dissecting this information? How are we looking through it? How are we uh, reading it, understanding it, being able to articulate our positions in that, being able to discern what this means, what that means, what this court decision means, what this piece of legislation means, what these folks are trying to push, what the media outlets are saying, uh, you know, and that's one thing that we do on this show is we kind of walk through articles at the Washington Post and New York Times that typically you would not see as in our favor. And then what I try to do is explain to you why they are using the type of phrasing or the wording that they are using. So right now we're going to go to the Washington Post, uh, as they, they put out an article on April 7th, the title, Texas Judge Suspends FDA Approval of Abortion Pill. And then a second judge, protects access. So let's let's get into it. The status of a key abortion medication was cast into uncertainty Friday night when rulings from two federal judges reached contradictory conclusions, with one jurist blocking U.S. government approval of the drug, while the other said the pill should remain available in a swath of states. The dueling opinions, one from Texas and the other from Washington State, concerned access to mifepristone, the medication used in more than half of all abortions in the United States and follow the Supreme Court's elimination of the constitutional right to the procedure last year. Now, now focus on, on the way they worded that sentence. So this judge said that FDA could no longer use or, or, or the, this judge is ruling against the FDA saying you cannot approve this drug, mifepristone. And then the, the, the author of this piece says the medication used in more than half of all abortions in the U.S. and follow the Supreme Court's elimination of the constitutional right to the procedure last year. Now, remember there was no constitutional right ever to abortion. Now they pulled it out of thin air back in 1973 with the Roe decision, but nowhere, go read the constitution, go read it. Nowhere in there does it say that you have a right to abortion. Nowhere. They, again, they pulled it out of thin air. It was bad policy. Then it was bad uh, legal precedent. Then even, the, the most liberal of judges, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, said it was bad. It was a bad court decision. Even though she favored abortion, she said they pulled it out of thin air. So we know that to be true. But yet this author of this piece is saying it was the constitutional right, which it never was. It appears inevitable the issue will move to the high court and the conflicting decisions could make that sooner rather than the later. The highly anticipated and unprecedented ruling from Texas puts on hold. Now notice unprecedented ruling from Texas puts on hold the food and drug administration's approval of mifepristone, which was cleared for use in the United States in 2000. It was the first time a judge suspended long time FDA approval of a medication despite opposition from the agency and the drugs manufacturer. I wonder why the drugs manufacturer would, would fight the, this court decision. Of course they're going to fight this court decision. They manufactured the drug. They make a lot of money off this drug. Of course, the FDA is going to fight this court decision. Why? Because the FDA and the current administration in Washington wants abortion on demand for any reason at any cost. We saw that with the moves that they made during the pandemic. We've seen that over the years with the increasing of the the weeks at which you can use these drugs. The article continues, the ruling will not go into effect for seven days to give the government time to appeal. U.S. District Judge Matthew Kasmarik, a nominee of the president of President Donald Trump, with long held. Li- listen to how they word this. Now, now I want you to understand something. This isn't about President Trump. This isn't about President Bush appointees. This isn't about Reagan appointees. This isn't about this is about the way media and and quote unquote journalists will label certain Jurist will label certain judges because when they're talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when they're talking about liberal judges, they do not say they have a history of being pro-abortion. They they would never say that about a liberal judge. They would say they are uh, they believe the Constitution is ever flowing. They, They believe that we need to change the Constitution for the times that we live in. But when it comes to an appointee by a a Republican or a conservative president, this is how they framed them. A nominee of President Donald Trump with long-held anti-abortion views. Now think about that. They do that on purpose. And then they go further. Agreed with the conservative group seeking to reverse the FDA's approval of Mr. Prestone as safe and effective, including in states where abortion rights are protected. Now, again, I, I think it's important that, that you understand that that's why I read this article from The Washington Post, because I don't want somebody to listen to the show and go, well, you only read conservative leaning blogs or con- conservative leaning journalists. You only read from your point of view, your side of the aisle. That, that's not true. This is The Washington Post. We often cite New York Times on this on this show. We, we often go to these websites and these articles because what I want you to understand is how you need to read this and how you need to discern the way they are framing this conversation and these court decisions. Again, you can go seek out the Washington Post, the New York Times, and see how they refer to liberal judges. They never called them pro-abortion. They never called Ruth Bader Ginsburg pro-abortion. What they call her? A fighter for women's rights. A fighter for the constitutional right to abortion. They never would have labeled her pro-abortion, but here they're labeling a judge. They specifically say who appointed the judge. They think that's important because they want to cast a negative light on this judge. And then they say this judge has long-held anti-abortion views. The article goes further. This is what the judge said. The court does not second-guess FDA's decision-making lightly. But here, FDA acquiesced on its legitimate safety concerns in violation of its statutory duty, based on plainly unsound reasoning and studies that did not support its conclusions. He added that the agency had faced significant political pressure to increase access to chemical abortion. In a competing opinion, late Friday, a federal judge in Washington state ruled in a separate case involving Mifeprestone that the drug is safe and effective. U.S. District Judge Thomas O. Rice, who was nominated by President Barack Obama. Now, notice, that's all they said. They just tell you who nominated him. They don't say anything about his position on abortion over the years, which I'm sure they know. They don't say anything about his political leaning. They just say he was nominated by President Obama. And this is what Judge Thomas Rice said. He ordered the FDA to preserve, quote, the status quo and retain access in the 17 states, along with D.C., that are behind the second lawsuit, which seeks to protect medication abortion. Within hours of the Texas ruling, the Justice Department and drug manufacturer filed their notice of appeal. Attorney General Merrick Garland said the government would ask the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit to allow the FDA to maintain approval of the pill pending the outcome of the case. Garland said in a statement the department was still reviewing the decision out of Washington State. President Biden criticized the Texas ruling in a statement Friday saying the court had quote, substituted its judgment for FDA, the expert agency, and approves drugs, that approves drugs. If this ruling were to stand, then there will be virtually no prescription approved by the FDA that would be safe from these kinds of political attacks. He called the decision another unprecedented step in taking away basic freedoms from women and putting their health at risk. Now I want to remind you of something. For decades in in President Biden's political career as a senator, he said he was personally pro-life. He claims to be a devout Catholic. He said he was personally pro-life. He he believed for decades that there needed to be restrictions on abortion in the second and third trimesters. He believed for decades that the government tax dollars should not pay for abortion he fought against the tax dollars being used for abortion he fought and in my opinion rightly so against tax dollars being used for abortion and i was told by a lot of people he's going to be moderate he's a moderate he's good old joe he's a moderate listen to this quote he called the decision another unprecedented step In taking away basic freedoms from women and putting their health at risk. So now, if you can't get access to abortion, your health is at risk. Now, if you can't get access to abortion, President Biden would say, your freedoms are being taken away. What about the freedoms of the baby? What about the freedoms of the little girls and little boys that are growing inside of their mothers? What about their freedoms? You see, this is why I said from from the beginning on this show for years and years. That Joe Biden is not moderate. His stance on abortion is clear. He wants to see more of it. His administration wants to see more of it. The conflicting and complicated decisions will likely put pressure on the FDA and the Biden administration to determine how to enforce the new mandates set by these rulings. The judge's decision in Texas to pause his own ruling for a week while the administration seeks review in the Fifth Circuit, and the contrary ruling in Washington State means no immediate change in the status quo, but the Biden administration might not want to wait for the Fifth Circuit to act before bringing the issue to the Supreme Court. It could ask the justices to put Uh, The Texas judge's decision to hold on hold while legal battles continue. The justices might then face a decision about whether to hear the case in the normal course of business, which would mean scheduling a hearing in the new term that begins in October, or it would take up the case on an emergency basis. The court has done that in some recent cases, but that could cause serious problems for a court that has one round of oral arguments left in the current term and has issued few opinions in cases already, argued in none of the biggest disputes involving election law, affirmative action, and religious and LGBTQ rights. Medication-induced abortion has become increasingly contentious since the High high Court overturned the nearly 50-year Roe v. Wade decision last June, which allows states to outlaw or sharply restrict the procedure. Abortion clinics reached Friday night emphasized that the Texas ruling would not affect their care for the next seven days. Even then, If the judge's ruling takes effect, several providers said they would not stop prescribing mifepristone until they are instructed to by the FDA. Many abortion clinics have been preparing for the Texas ruling for months. If they are forced to stop providing mifepristone, they say they will continue to provide surgical abortions, and in many cases, a different medication abortion regimen that includes only Mifoprostol, the second drug in the standard two-step medication abortion regimen. Now, I want you to understand something. And I've talked about this before. The way the chemical abortion works, you take the first pill and it starves the baby. It ultimately creates a hostile environment inside the womb. It ultimately takes the life of the child. And then you take the second pill and it causes contractions and you empty your uterus. If you skip that first step, and, and and this is what folks are calling for. Hey, well, if you can't give him a Pristone, just take the second pill, skip the first step, and just cause contractions and to deliver and empty your uterus. What with a with a live child? We'll talk more about that when we come back. Let the life go. So as we continue the conversation, I spent the first segment kind of outlining, outlining um, the Texas judge ruling, the Washington judge ruling, what that means. Obviously, the Washington judge they just said, "Hey, we need to uh, uphold the FDA's approval of Mifepristone, especially in the states that are that are arguing for it." The Texas judge says we need to pause it altogether, we need to pull it off the shelves, we need to stop uh, for a number of reasons. I'll go through that here in a second of the of the actual uh rulings we'll walk through that uh as best I can piece by piece but right now I ended the last segment talking about uh, what happens what, what will be the motivation or what will be the the kind of the answer to this if in fact this ruling is upheld and mifepristone is uh is taken off the market well you've already heard some abortion providers say well that's okay we're not even going to stop until the FDA tells us to stop and, and one could, could question, even if this court ruling stands, will the FDA actually do that? Time will tell, I guess. Uh, AOC out of New York was on some talk shows this past week where she was saying that we need to ignore the court decision. Isn't that interesting? We live in interesting times that if a conservative were to say we need to ignore court decisions, they would be called Uh, A lot of names and and just they need to be taken out of office. They're terrible. They're anti-democracy. And that shouldn't stand. But when you have a prominent left leaning, not just left leaning, a prominent leftist in AOC going on cable news outlets and saying we need to ignore court decisions and no pushback occurs. No pushback. They're like, yeah, that's that's certainly on the table. We probably should look at that. Just ignore the courts. They have gone out of their way since June 24th and the ruling in the Dobbs case that ultimately overturned Roe. They have gone out of their way to paint the courts as illegitimate. Now, I'm going to be I'm going to say some hard things right now where we have folks on the right and folks on the left that go out of their way to paint courts as illegitimate when a decision doesn't go their way. That's not healthy for a democracy. It's not healthy for the institutions that are in place. Now, I would say that our institutions are not healthy, but that's a a story for another day. But what we don't need is congressmen and congresswomen going on cable news and and Sunday morning shows and say we need to ignore court decisions. But that is what AOC said. That is what some of these abortion doctors and abortion folks are saying is we need to ignore court decisions. We're going to forget about what that Texas judge says. We're going to do what we want to do. But I do think it's interesting that some folks are saying, well, that's fine. If we can't use mifepristone, we'll just go to the second pill. And and here's what could happen. The fallout of the ruling could mean that mifepristone becomes unavailable in the U.S. in the near future, though the ruling is being challenged in court. Depending on how legal battles play out and how the FDA responds, the effects of this ruling may apply only in certain states or may indeed curtail mifepristone use around the country. If this happens... Doctors say they will continue to offer medication abortions without mifepristone using only myfoprostol, the second drug. Here's what to know about how that would work and how safe they are for patients who access them. Most medication abortions in the U.S. currently use both mifepristone and then uh, and the second pill because patients experience fewer side effects when the medications are combined. A regimen involving both medications is also used for miscarriages. But using the second pill alone can be used effectively for abortions and is commonly prescribed in some countries. The regimen is still incredibly safe, they say. This is what Dr. Brandy, a New Jersey family planning specialist and spokesperson for the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. That's ACOG. ACOG is going to push abortion at every chance they get. They say medication abortion and miscarriage management will not go away with the loss of mifepristone, but it may look a little different. With a two-drug regimen, patients first take mifepristone, which blocks the hormone progesterone, to end the pregnancy. Patients then take the second pill 24 to 48 hours later, which causes the uterus to expel the pregnancy tissue. Pregnancy tissue. Notice, this is NPR. This is from NPR, and they say Pregnancy tissue. That's a new one. What is that pregnancy tissue? Want to take a guess? That's you when you were in your mother's womb. They're talking about you. They're talking about my children. They're talking about the 60 plus million babies that have been aborted since 1973. Pregnancy tissue. The babies we'll see on ultrasound today. Pregnancy tissue, apparently. The babies that will be delivered in hospitals all over this country. Today, pregnancy tissue. Patients experience bleeding and cramping and usually pass the pregnancy within four to six hours after taking the second pill. Now, if you don't include the first pill and you only take the second pill, here's what happens. Patients start the process with the second pill using the same amount as is used in the two drug regimen. Three hours later, they take more of that pill, causing the uterus to contract. They repeat this for 3 to 4 doses until the pregnancy passes. Until the pregnancy passes. What is a pregnancy? This this is maddening. We just we just willy-nilly use words that mean nothing. And then what do we do? We read these articles and go, "Yeah, it's a pregnancy passing. It's pregnancy tissue. It's a clump of cells. It's you know, it's just like a bowel movement. It's safer than tylenol." They say all these things and and we as a culture just go, yeah, you're right. I guess that's that's what it is. I don't know any women or men that have gone through this and have gone. Yeah, I mean, it was just a pregnancy tissue. It wasn't that big a deal. That's why post-abortive ministries and post-abortive organizations, secular and Christian. Are serving thousands in thousands and thousands every year. What, because they passed pregnancy tissue or because they lost their child in an abortion? We are not a serious society. We are not a serious culture. As I said a few weeks ago, we are not on a slippery slope, folks. We have driven off the cliff and we pressed the gas to the floorboard And we are, that's where we're going. NPR then says, is this this version of abortion safe? There's lots of research that shows the second pill only protocol is as safe as the two medication protocol, but it does tend to cause more side effects. Even though the two drug protocol is still preferred when possible, there's ample evidence that taking the second pill alone is very effective alternative according to the Society of Family Planning. What is the Society of Family Planning, you ask? It's an abortion research organization that I'm sure is nonpartisan and that I'm sure has no ties to the abortion industry as a whole. And I'm sure has no no skin in the game when it comes to this issue. Of course not. Of course, they haven't been politicized. Multiple organizations like ACOG and the World Health Organizations, again, abortion organizations, they love abortion. It is the golden calf. They believe it's a woman's right. They believe it's a constitutional right. They will fight with everything they have to see that abortion becomes everything that we want. That is their goal. But they're being cited as as just, you know, nonpartisan organizations that are just seeking out the welfare of our populace. Because they say that the One medication protocol is an acceptable choice. Patients using uh, the second pill alone, however, tend to experience more nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea and a longer duration of cramping and bleeding. That's why it's usually the second choice regimen. But it is actually faster, they say. It takes about 30 hours total since patients take the second drug at least 24 hours after the first. In the the second drug alone regimen, the process usually only takes 9 to 12 hours. But patients typically experience cramping and bleeding for, for much longer. I could go on and on, but, but I want you to understand. We are living in a moment and in a time where, where it's no longer quietly said. It's no longer kind of safe, legal, and rare, and no one really wants an abortion. It's no longer no one was, was born and just always wanted an abortion. We have gone the other direction. Now, now they're in your face boldly saying, you know what, I don't care what a court says, we should have access to abortion, unfettered access to abortion. And here's what my thought is. I think the FDA at some point, I think these folks at some point are going to want this on the shelves, over the counter. Put it in your medicine cabinet. The state of Washington, listen to this, the state of Washington, as they understood the Texas ruling was coming, bought 30,000 doses of mifepristone. Why? Because they think abortion is that important to their people. Let that sit in for a moment. We'll be back. Good morning, Mercy. You Feels like the so as we continue, I now want to look at kind of in-depth the court decisions. But before we do that, we need to look at kind of the FDA's process and their approval of Mifepristone for so long. Uh, and so let's let's go there mifepristone is a synthetic steroid that is given in combination with mifoprostol and can induce abortion now uh, obviously the court decisions we we recently talked about happened on friday and and so let's go into what mifepristone kind of the, the history of this drug mifepristone received fda's accelerated approval in 2000 for the medical termination of intrauterine pregnancy through 49 days pregnancy. The drug was supported by data from three uncontrolled studies, two French trials and one U.S. study where consecutive women took the drug. 92% of 800 plus U.S. women had complete abortion. And per FDA package label, there were 65 women, 7.9 who received surgical interventions. So 7.9% of that group had to receive surgical interventions. 13, 1.6%, were medically indicated interventions during the study period, mostly for excessive bleeding. 5, or 0.6%, interventions occurred at the patient's request. 39 women, 4.7, had incomplete abortions at the end of the study, and 8, 1%, had ongoing pregnancies at the end of the study protocol. Soon thereafter, FDA added mifepristone to REMS and required three office visits, one before uh, one to give the medicine and one after to get the drug. In 2016, the FDA, now I just want to point out, they called it medicine. It is not medicine, folks. We, we should not be calling this medicine. Medicine is designed to help you, to make you feel better. Medicine should not be designed to end the life. This is designed to end the life of a human. In 2016, the FDA increased the time where it could be given from seven weeks to 10 weeks or 49 days to 70 days eliminated the requirement to report non-lethal safety events, permitted non-doctors to prescribe the product, allowed a second dose of the medicine, allowed the drug to be given outside the office, allowed for sooner uh, of taking the second pill administration afterwards, reduced the required office visits from three to one. In 2019, the FDA modified the REMS requirements. In 2021, the FDA allowed mail-order pharmacies to dispense the medicine by mail. The plaintiff has a list of concerns of all points of this regulatory history. Now, what are the regulatory issues at stake in this case? The plaintiff argues that the FDA's 2000 approval violates accelerated approval. The language of accelerated approval states that a drug must have been studied for its safety and effectiveness in treating serious or life-threatening illnesses. And it must also provide a meaningful therapeutic benefit to patients over existing treatments. Now, the FDA concedes that pregnancy itself is not a serious illness but points out that unwanted pregnancy can cause depression, and depression is a serious or life-threatening illness. The Texas judge notes that by this logic, nearly anything can be a serious or life-threatening illness if it causes depression. Yeah, that is true. So, so the FDA is saying because a pregnancy may make you depressed, you should be able to abort your child. So they're saying that a pregnancy in and of itself is not a serious illness, but depression is. And maybe depression was caused because you're pregnant, so therefore you need to not be pregnant. That is their argument. And the judge, in this case, rightly so, said that's nonsensical because if we go down that line of thinking, where do you stop it? You should accelerate and approve everything that comes on to the market if it may or may not make you depressed. The Texas judge argues that the condition must be in and of itself life-threatening. And the life-threatening condition cannot be downstream consequence of it. Of course, some pregnancies can be dangerous for the mother, and this would clearly be life-threatening. But restricting to those scenarios would limit prescribing, and we can always, we cannot always tell by week 10 which pregnancy will be life-threatening. Again, they're, they're hedging their bets. Well, we don't know. It could be dangerous. It could be a dangerous pregnancy. You know? Who knows? In 20 weeks, it may be bad, so let's get rid of it now. This is the FDA's argument. And then and then you have to question, you know, there's some folks saying, well, should the judge ever question the FDA? I mean, what if what if the FDA makes some crazy recommendations? I mean, to say that we should never question the FDA is seems to be a a bit of a stretch, But, but folks, this is where we are in a post-row US. We're going to see court decisions like this. But, but earlier I said we are not a serious country. We are not a serious culture. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean: look around at everything that's going on, whether it be uh, protests or riots or or whatever that's happening around the country, even in my state of Tennessee, what we've seen in Nashville over the last couple of weeks with the expelling of two lawmakers who it appears is going to be reappointed by their commissions. And, you know, there, there are folks that are saying democracy is dying in the state of Tennessee because of this or that decision. And, and that we're living in unprecedented times and, and things are just so bad. and uh, now, but what I mean by we're not a serious country or a culture is we're being sold a bill of goods from quote unquote journalists, from Washington, from courts, from lobbyists, from quote unquote nonpartisan think tanks and non-partisan organizations and entities who who want me to take them serious who who want me to believe that they are pro-woman and at the same time they can't tell me what a woman is well how am i supposed to be pro-woman if you don't even know what one is they want me to take their word for it and take them serious when they say things like if you just take this pill you'll pass your pregnancy if you just take this pill, the pregnancy tissue will be removed from your uterus. They just want me to take their word for it. Well, what is a pregnancy tissue? That should be the immediate follow-up question. What, what is pregnancy tissue? What do you mean when you say past the pregnancy? What do you mean by that? What do you mean when you try to claim that these pills are safer than Tylenol? What do you mean by that? Because they're not. But they say it as if it's truth. And many of us just take their word for it. Well, you know, you should have access to these quote unquote medications. You should have access to these things because no one needs to be saddled up to a pregnancy. I mean, you should be able to get rid of it anytime you want. It's interesting, every entity that they cited who opposed the ruling out of Texas are entities that are full-on pro-abortion. They're not dabbling in it. it. They're not coming out and saying, look, it needs to be safe, legal, and rare. We need to do this in the rarest of occasions. No, they're, they're not doing that. What they have showed us over the past three years, starting in 2019 and, and moving forward to today, is we're going to make it as easy as possible to get these drugs. And now what they're showing is, yes, the best... The best place or the best regimen is the two pill process. That is what they would say. But if you take that first pill away, we'll make it work with the, just taking the second pill. I mean, sure, you'll uh, the side effects last much longer and, and, you know, you'll bleed. And who knows what may or may not happen in your apartment or in your bathroom. But um, but it's worth it, you know, because then the pregnancy will be over. That that is what they are saying. That's what they want you to believe. But I'm the callous one. I'm the extreme one because I believe that life has value and we should protect it uh, in the womb. But but they're saying, you know what, the two-pill process is the best process, but, but if you take that first pill away, we'll take the second pill and we'll just make it work. And our patients will just deal with the side effects, the the cramping, the bleeding, the vomiting. For, you know, 24, 30, however long it takes, we'll, we'll deal with it because then they don't have to, you know, have a baby and and they'll pass the pregnancy. So what they are telling these young women, what they are telling these young couples is this not a baby. You're just passing pregnancy tissue. And the fact that they can say that with a straight face shows you how far we've come or how far we've gone down as a society and culture. You don't have to have a biblical worldview to understand that there is a life growing inside of a woman when she's pregnant. That does not require a biblical worldview. Now, the reason why I fight against these things, the reason why I say the things that I say on this show and in other places, is because of my biblical worldview and my belief in truth and my belief in intrinsic value and my belief that God is the creator of all life. That is the reason why I do these things. But you do not have to have a biblical worldview to think or to understand that there is a life growing inside of a mom. And I know that because... Secular people that are all for abortion still go to gender reveal parties. Secular folks that are all for abortion still go to baby showers. When you go to said baby shower, you're not saying, Hey, how's the pregnancy tissue doing? When you go to the gender reveal party, you're not asking, Hey, how's that pregnancy tissue? Is it a boy or a girl? No, you're not saying that. When you, when you buy them a, a, a diaper bag and you embroider the name on there, you're not doing that for pregnancy tissue or for a clump of cells. You're doing that for someone's child. And you know what? The difference of that child, of someone wanting their pregnancy, and the child of someone not wanting their pregnancy, there is no difference. Both human. Both have their own blood type. Both have, both have their own DNA. Just Just one is wanted and one is not wanted. We'll be back. So as we continue the conversation, look, I'll I'll add a lot of these, um, the the articles that I cited, I'll put in the show notes at the podcast if you want to read more into what's being said. And I'll even add some extra ones that I just didn't have time to cover today. But, But folks, we have to be at a place where we're willing to have these conversations. We, we should not just take the word of the abortion industry and of abortion giants that, that abortion is safe. Of course, they're going to say it's safe. Of course, they are going to fight for the, the ease at which to get these pills. Of course, they are because they make billions of dollars off of abortion. It's the golden calf. You know, I I, I pointed to a study a few weeks back, and, and the study said that, that we as a populace, we as a society, are are less religious. We are less inclined to want children. We are less inclined to want to be married. The only thing that went up in value over the last 20 or so years is that we, we value our money in our bank account everything else went down but but just saying that we're less religious in those questions in those studies what they ask is do you attend church on Sunday do you attend how many times a month do you attend church do you what denomination are you a part of but just because someone answers that and says i don't intend I don't attend church or you know I'm an atheist or I'm a secular person or I don't believe in God or you know, fill in the blank where they land. We are lying to ourselves if we believe that our society is less religious. Now, what do I mean by that? We are replacing what has been traditionally viewed as religion uh, in terms of evangelicalism and what we believe about God and and he is the creator, what we believe about Jesus, that he was fully human, fully God-lived, 33 and a third years, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead. So what we just celebrated with Easter on the third day and the tomb is empty and our salvation has been paid for. That may not be the the norm in society today that, that people would say that is my religion or belief system. But if you're paying attention to what's happening in our culture, if you're paying attention to what's happening around our country. People are very religious. Very religious. But but instead of worshipping the God of the universe, what, what's happening? They are worshipping the God of self. We are replacing the God of the universe with God of self. We are now our own idols. Maybe our job is the idol. Maybe our bank account is the idol. Our gender is the idol. Our pronouns are the idol. Our sexuality is the idol abortion is the idol. When you have folks going on TV and saying, ignore that court decision, take your pills in the life of your child. Folks, that's demonic. That's idolatry stuff. This is not, don't, don't believe the lie that folks are getting less religious. They may not be attending church on Sundays, But I can assure you they are religious. And let me step on some of your toes for a second and mine as well. Some of us have replaced our God and our religion with politics and politicians. So now our hope is found in a king. Our hope is found in a president. Our hope is found in a court. Our hope is found in a congressman. Let me caution you against that. We we value those things and, and those things matter. Who sits in those seats matters. That's why I talk about it on this show. That's why I encourage you to vote. That's why I go through what I've went through today and talking through court decisions and what that means and, and walking you through the process of abortion, chemical abortion, medicated abortion, because we need to understand what's happening. It's why I go through these articles and, and really pinpoint on the way they are wording things and focus on why they word them the way they do. Because those things matter. But I need you to hear this. We are not playing out dualism here. It is not God and the devil in a boxing match and we don't know who's going to win. We were told in Genesis that, that God was going to send the one to stomp on the head of the serpent. The victory is won. Do you understand that? So we don't operate in a place of, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. No, look, things are going to get worse here on earth. But the victory is at hand. We know how it ends. So we should operate boldly, courageously, stand on truth and the faith, unapologetically so. Pointing people to the truth while showing them grace and compassion that Jesus showed at the cross. But folks, we have to. We do not have any good news if we don't recognize the bad and our sinful nature. So as we point people to the good news, we have to be bold and willing to step in and understand our sinful nature. So we may have an unserious culture and an unserious U.S., but but let me tell you this. We better not have an unserious church. Let's step into this moment and point people to the truth. I'll talk to you next week.